0: Uh, welcome to From the Valley Podcast 102. I've got a very special guest with me today. His name is Kieran Hoare from Murphy Law. So love Kieran. Here he is now. G'day Kieran, how are you? Yeah, good Tim. How are you? So I just uh, got to check all my, my stuff's working. Um just haven't had a chance yeah, to yeah, check. it. Yeah, I can hear you there. perfectly and I can see you as well. So you can see me in here.
1: Sure. Karen, you look like you're in a uh, pretty good spot
0: there tim where's that queenstown no yeah you're exactly right They're not there right now but that's yeah. a picture i took when i was there once and uh come september i think it's probably i won't be able to get there into then. with uh have all uh if everything sort of goes to plan then hopefully i'll be able to spend uh some time in september there um uh i guess uh, over the next few months certainly won't be able to get there We'll just see what happens i guess with covid and these uh, trans Tasman flights and,
1: and, this and so forth. Um, yeah, well, you, you'd think uh, Australia and New Zealand's doing pretty well. So, for the sake of both of our tourism industries, you'd hope they'd, they'd get it up and running by by August or so.
0: Yeah, definitely, Kieran. Um, anyway, welcome along to the podcast, Kieran. Uh, I think episode number one hundred and two. Uh, so, Kieran Hoare from um, Murphy Law. Um, now, uh, Kieran, uh, thanks for coming on on the podcast today, my friend. And uh, it's good to see. You. It's been a little while since we spoke, isn't it? I think uh, maybe I was trying to think we spoke this year about anything. Maybe, maybe not. But uh, how have you been anyway?
1: Yeah, thanks for having us along, Tim. It's been crazy times, of course, since uh, we last spoke. Uh, and uh, it's been pretty good. I'm actually working from home today. Yes. And uh, unfortunately, my little boy uh, has been, uh, is sick from daycare. So you might hear some, some noises in the background. So apologies in advance.
0: No, that's okay that's fine but uh you know working from home that's been something that uh has certainly become a, a bit more of the norm for probably both of us a bit um it's um we started i, I didn't really up until march i never really worked from home too much i'd always just gone to the office and uh and worked from the office and i've been very comfortable there but once sort of COVID hit um i got a bit of a I got a new sort of computer setup uh, uh done at home and uh, once i got a new computer set up and Faster than being in the office, at, uh, I've, I've probably been working uh, from home more than half, or more than half the time since then. So, uh, which has been really, really good. Have you been sort of working from the office at all? Or?
1: Yeah, we sent, well, we got everyone back on a uh, rotating, you know, half in, half off, you know, half from home basis from the start of last week, uh, just because you know some people were getting a bit stir crazy, and we liked that camaraderie. But we were surprised yeah. about how productive everyone was. And, you know, I'm the same. I, I uh, got myself a better office set up. And I've kind of found that my routines changed a bit too. So I might do a few more things during the day, like, you know, do some cooking and you know, be there for the kids' dinner and that kind of thing, and then log back on after 8pm and, and, you know, pump out a little bit of more work then. And, uh, you know, I think there might be some habits that change for the longer term from all of this.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I certainly... I guess what's changed for me, apart from working from home, I have probably more recently have decided to go um, you know, walking and exercising a bit more too, so I've probably lost a few kilos actually. Um, so I uh, saw, Tim, uh, that uh, 100
1: <laughs> is a big number for you, both 100 episodes of the podcast, uh, yeah. more than 100 there, and less than 100 for your weight. So uh, congratulations. It's, it's quite a monumental number.
0: Yeah, it is. It's certainly, um, if you look at the last decade, I've probably really been under... Uh, I think it was probably 2009 was actually the last time I was below 100. So that's probably about 11 years ago now uh, when you look at that. And uh, so, you know, being 11 years older than then, it's not always easy to get back to the weight that you were when you are a 30-year-old or something. So, um, yeah, no, it's, it's, I think, you know, the last year or two, I've sort of kept the weight a bit. You know, it's getting down slightly, slightly, and then I've sort of pushed it a bit more, you know, a bit more recently.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, uh, I don't quite
1: understand it with myself. Uh... I've been eating more chocolate and, you know, bad foods at home and drinking more wine uh, since, you know, we've, we've done this social isolation. And I seem to have lost a couple of kilos rather than put any on. I don't know if that, that's muscle
0: or what, but I don't quite understand. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's an interesting one. That's for sure. So uh, well, I guess how we sort of go with these podcasts, Kieran, I, I guess we'd like to start um, with, I guess, a bit about early life. Were you born in Brisbane or another part of the world?
1: Yeah, I am pretty much born in Brisbane. I was born in Townsville, uh, yep. but I came down to Brisbane at the ripe old age of one, so yep. it's, it's my hometown. And you've been here ever since? Yeah, I've been here ever since. I haven't done the working overseas stint. Uh, you know, i been on a few holidays, obviously, Indeed, yep. overseas. And, uh, you know, had those kind of hospitality jobs in, in uni and oh, uh, yeah. before. And then I've just been at the one legal firm since I got out of uni. So I'm, I'm a bit odd for kind of my generation. I'm a uh, stick
0: in the one spot. Well, sort of very similar to myself in a, in a way, I guess. I mean, you've been involved uh, in, in your firm uh, since, you know, since uh, you know coming out of UQ or wherever, is that where you went, the UQ? Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Um, so but I, I was obviously uh, born in Tassie, I moved up here in 2000, and um, the firm, uh, Confidential Tax and Businesses, has been working there since May 2000, and so that's just clicked on 20 years. Um, Congratulations. Yeah, and that's, I've been a director for 12, 12 of the, the last four of those years so um but yeah we'll get to a bit about your career as well but i guess a bit about early life uh whereabouts um what sort of area did you grow up in in brisbane
1: yeah i was a western suburbs boy so i was out at chapel hill uh and uh went to a few different primary schools my mum was a teacher so i went to some with hers but then i was getting in too much trouble so uh she got me to go to a local one that she didn't teach at. And uh, then I went to Brisbane Boys Grandma, and uh, UQ, and uh, nowadays I'm living in. I haven't moved
0: too far. Uh, I'm living in Red Hill, is where yeah, no, I'm. Nice area. From. Sorry. Very, very close to everything. Red Hill, isn't it? It's um, yeah, very close to the Broncos, uh, close yeah. to yeah everything. I guess on the inner north side.
1: Yeah, and I used to live in in Paddington in a smaller place, and Red Hill, where we're living now, uh, it's you know better access for families and all the parks. And uh, we're all celebrating mm-hmm.
0: that the playgrounds are open again for the kiddies, which is good. Yeah. So, what uh, did you did you get up to any sport at all when you're at when you're at school? Did you any particular sports that you played or got into? Look, I wasn't known for my sporting prowess, Tim. I was,
1: uh, you know. I was more of a, a muso and a uh, and a writer and that kind of thing, but I did play rugby for the mighty E's uh, and uh, did a little bit of uh, swimming and and that kind of thing. But uh, no, I didn't go down in any of the record books for for the sport.
0: Okay, That's, no. So, can you remember what uh, what was your first job that you ever had, sort of in in your high school days?
1: My first job, and I managed to get it through nepotism, through the family, I think I was 12 and was in what was called the beverage bar in the winter garden. And so, you know, I could hardly see over the top of those counters, but I was was there helping make the milkshakes and the smoothies and, uh, you know, do those kind of things. And it was great actually having uh, that experience of, you know, working to earn money. And, you know, I I seem to have a bit more money than my friends, but when you work for it, you kind of value it a bit too, Tim. Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah, so in the hospitality industry back when you were sort of young, I think sort of remember, that would have been, you sort of been working in the late 90s, I guess, and uh, sort of early. Um, what was Brisbane like back in those days? I mean, what was it like to sort of work in, in that industry, in those sort of Yeah, well, you know, obviously, it was a little probably in the, uh,
1: you know, early to mid nineties in the Winter Garden, that was the place to shop. And it was a huge Mm. thing, uh, even just Sunday shopping. And that was, you know, one of the first places to do that. And, you know, that was there before the Maya Centre even came. So, you know, that Mm. was, um, you know, before I think the suburban shopping centres had those Sundays and, uh, you know, had had taken off. There was was a a much different dynamic back then. Uh, And from, you know, that job, I think through uni, then I progressed to, I think I went overseas and then I got a job, Uh, delivering alcohol for a company called Quinn Direct and so I got to know all around Brisbane and you know different bars and restaurants and that type of thing and you know deliver to individuals places and I got to through all of that hospitality years I guess you really get to know people well and and how to deal with people and what different types of people are and um, you know how to get on with people Uh, so you know as much as we gloss over that kind of those kind of uni jobs and those early experience I think they are quite Forming or of character and, and the rest of your work life to some extent.
0: Yeah, certainly a job like that where you're sort of getting uh, getting around and seeing a lot of people at a young age. I think that's uh, certainly would you know give you a lot of skills early in your career in your when you're obviously going into a you know, legal career, um, which basically set set a good foundation. I guess as far as we 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 have taken your career, would you say that?
1: Yeah, and to be fair, like when we're interviewing people for legal jobs, it's more than just their grades. So, you know, someone who's just gone to uni and just studied, they haven't really had much of that real-world experience yet. So there's there's a lot of that attitude and, you know, that uh, life experience that counts a lot, uh, I think, in, in the real world, in, in the job world, uh, more so than just the book smarts.
0: Oh, definitely real-world experiences. Certainly, um, you know, it's 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 one of those things that's very important and uh, you know you obviously get to get out there and you know the more the more that you do it as a as as a young you are the more confident you become the more you sort of uh, feel you know within your own skin and that sort of thing as well and that not outside just sort of, uh, areas of depth and stuff like that um uq as a university was that, was that quite a good experience uh do you, you think that was quite a um you think that was a good uh, move at the time
1: yeah, I mean, I was in a different headspace back then. Uh, it was a good place to meet up with my friends and have a lot of mm-hmm. parties. And yep. I think there was one semester where my contact hours were Monday morning from 8am till 7.30pm or 8pm with hardly a break in there. And then I finished for the week on Tuesday afternoon at about 2pm, uh, which I think was a bit dangerous because there was a few Mondays where I was a bit dusty from the weekend. Uh, but... Uh, law is one of those ones where you don't necessarily need all of those contact hours, but yeah, great facilities and, uh, you know, looking back on it, it all makes a lot more sense now that I've law in the real world rather than, you know, just doing the, the academic exercises at uni. Um, I think I'd approach it quite differently if I went back again now.
0: Academically, did you, you I guess, um, from that point of view, you were fairly comfortable at, with the uni going through and, and doing quite well in the coursework and that sort of thing and, and uh, achieving? again i wasn't the
1: uh you know alumni scholar of the year or anything uh, but you know i got enough to get decent enough marks to progress with my career one of those things i think uh you know to a certain extent it's pretty handy to get you, your foot in the door in the job market but it's not something that uh that you wear as a badge for the rest of your life um you know i think some young people probably get a little bit too focused on you know the be all and end all of it necessarily being those marks you know there's lots of different ways to get there and especially i guess the Way the world is changing so much that you know your marks and your uni is just one kind of small facet because there's a lot of that stuff that technology is going to be able to do, and there's a lot of information that's you know at everyone's fingertips now. So it's more about you know how you apply those softer skills, which I think uh, uh, is becoming even more important than you know necessarily the, the, the technical recall and that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, so how old were you when you uh, decided that uh, a, a career specifically in law was for you anyway? How, how what's
1: yeah. it, when did you make So, that my father was a lawyer. I think my grandfather okay. and great-grandfather was a lawyer. Uh, my auntie, uh, she was an Appeal uh, Court judge in the Supreme Court here in Queensland. Uh, my uncle was been a lawyer. So, you know, law ran in the family, Tim, and Dad warned me against being a lawyer. Uh, oh. And... You know, so of course that's what I've become a lawyer. And I was initially doing it to do journalism law. I was initially doing journalism law and that was with the view of, you know, a law degree would help out and was always recommended for journalism. Uh, but to be fair, I got a bit disillusioned with the journalist list, uh, side of it. Uh, I realised what the nature of that kind of game was and I didn't like it. And uh, then I you know, got my first job and actually from getting that experience in, a real legal practice and for real client problems and dealing with real people, then you know I've quite relished private practice. Uh, certainly, when I was straight out of high school and in uni, I probably didn't envisage myself being where I would be today. Mm. <clears throat> yeah,
0: so I guess that's a bit about uh, that. What about now? When did you first? Um, I don't know. Trying to work out where I'm going to go next. Probably. Um, with your with your job at Mervin Law, how did just tell me about those early years? Obviously, you started out sort of in like a clerk or something like that uh, in in those early sort of roles, and then uh, and then obviously you became a you know obviously became a lawyer, and then at a at the young age of twenty seven, you obviously got offered uh, um, you know opportunity you couldn't really refuse. Yeah, so it was quite a dawning experience.
1: And you know, I feel for the young people coming straight from uni. And whilst I've had a lot of those jobs in the uh, hospitality and that kind of thing, I've never really had a proper office job before. And so some of the concepts of just starting you know, were, were kind of foreign for me. And it was a, quite a small office when I started with Steve Grant. And I think there was a conveyancing solicitor. There might've been one other lawyer who was there like a day or a week, and they weren't there for too long. And so it was really from day one, you know. On day one, I think I was um, I was in a room uh, uh negotiating, obviously with my partner Steve. But my first job was the sale of a nightclub, and then every day there'd be different job, you know, nightclub in the valley. Every day there'd be different and you know quite different experiences in the law, and you know that's a good thing to get that really broad, um broad education to start off with, and and getting in in front of real clients, you know, from day one. But geez, Tim, it was. It was daunting you know there were some days where i was stressed and you didn't feel like going to work and uh but every day you got to a bit more experience and you know things wouldn't bother you as much until you know one year in two years in three years in you don't know all the answers but you know how to not get a, I guess as uh wigged out by certain scenarios and certain problems uh you know to the stage where uh, you quite enjoy having these scenarios in front of you and helping the young ones through that, that same kind of journey.
0: Yeah, no. <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean, you obviously, you know, growing up in uh, with the sort of, uh, you know, obviously in, in Brisbane, uh, you know, being a lawyer and seeing, you know, being exposed to things like the nightclub sales and building developments and, uh, and that type of thing. But, I guess, uh, you know, what, what, what I sort of know you as, I guess, as well as that you're, a, you know, you're a self-managed super fund specialist. So uh, that's your, your area, well, the, the, main, the area of specialisation that uh, you're obviously promoting yourself and obviously very, very, you know, one of the best in that area. Um, how did you first become involved in, um, in being an expert in self-managed super funds? Uh, when did you sort of make that sort of decision and, and how has that sort of evolved over time for you?
1: Yeah, so Tim, a lot of Myrtha Law's clients, or most of our Myrtha Law's clients, are you know like your clients, and they're referred by accountants and financial planners. And a lot of those people are ones who run their own businesses. I typically say even when they're with other business partners, they're spending their own money. They're not spending other people's money. And then sometimes we might get people spending their own money on their estate planning, where they're you know the executives for you know some of those bigger companies, where where you know they are spending other shareholders' money. Uh, but I guess. Getting a lot of exposure to that, in the commercial side and that estate planning side, I quite liked some of the scenarios that were in front of me with the self managed super funds. Uh, both the technical challenge that, uh, you know, that law kept on changing, and there were so many ways, you know, it could be arbitraged and, you know, some experience there could really help client situations. But I also liked a lot of the clients who had those self-managed super funds themselves too. Uh, you know, they just seemed, a lot, you know, somewhere on the golf course, and uh, you know, I thought that's a pretty good good way to be, and had a good good outlook on that. And it was back in about 2005. I thought, okay, well, I'll specialise. I'd, I'd like to specialise in these self-managed super funds, and so you know, made sure I, I tried to get all the jobs for those at the Law and promote myself as that. And quite luckily, they entirely changed the law in 2007 with what mm. we call those super reforms. So That put me in a good stead, as in, you know, got to know those reforms pretty well Mm. and didn't have to spend as much time on some of those older concepts like uh, RBLs and market link pensions and all of those kinds of things. Uh, Mm. And it's one of those areas, I guess, that, yeah, every, what, 10 years or so, there's some pretty major changes to the the super rules. And every year there's some kind of changes. So it's something that, you know, people can't just sit and forget. And, uh, you know, they do need the assistance of, you know, someone like me. And one thing that appealed to me too about it is compared to, you know, some of the uh, work i had done in commercial, you know, whether that be commercial business sales and conveyancings or whether that be, uh, you know, I did some litigation in my quite early days too. Uh, you know, there was a lot of time pressures where you had to stay back late, drop everything. Uh, and I figured also with self managed super funds, uh, you probably get a bit more leeway. So it was probably a pretty good area to specialise in, you know, for that longer term for, you know, now where I am with my family and that kind of thing. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm very happy with that decision. It's, uh, it's an area, you know, I love being a super geek and getting into the, the technical side of it. And I guess those kind of clients, like I was talking about before, Tim, who are on the golf course, they want someone like me to, to know, hey, I, I've run it by Kieran, he's got the best solution, or he'll say, no, that doesn't work, how about this? But they don't want to know all the ins and outs. You know, they trust that you, you and me and all the people at the back end will sort out that kind of detail as long as they know they're in those good hands
0: yeah no, it's de- definitely i can see that i can see um it's definitely an attractive uh <coughs> type of thing to specialize in um i mean there there are obviously a you know not not as a great number of uh specialists out there that that are you know well ne- well known for um so many specialization that i'm aware of sort of uh you know in in brisbane so you know it's the uh fairly well known and when it comes to that and obviously that's I do like the way you sort of do your promotion uh for that type of uh designation as well with uh you know obviously doing webinars from you know from time to time or video uh logs that sort of thing uh we're discussing different uh technical uh, sometimes technical issues sometimes just real life sort of issues um where you're using examples uh of you know somebody in everyday business. Um, you know, buying the commercial premises and how they do that in a salt learning super fund. And here's here's how you can potentially save a lot of money, you know, getting more into a low tax area, that sort of stuff. So it's it's some really good advice that you've given that I've seen over the last decade uh, when it comes to that specialization. That was our last time.
1: I wasn't in uh, getting a property into a super fund and saving the stamp duty while we we're doing it. So yeah, yeah stamp duty but not, not only that it's going to
0: save lots of tax going forward as well. So if you do make that this whole decision to to transfer an asset like a commercial premises into a, a self managed fund the amount of tax that you're going to save uh, going forward is just it's quite substantial when you're looking at even 5 10 years or something, you know. You do all those sums it's that on in itself is is a saving but you know knowing things like how to how to sort of um you know I guess do do different types of legal declarations in order to not pay any stamp duty um, you know it takes a bit of skill takes a bit of uh, bit of knowledge a bit of reading up and some and obviously going through the process from start to finish to to know that so uh, you can do that sort of thing
1: yeah and so that's why I love doing, you know i don't want to bore everyone with technical posts i would put webinars on for the people who are interested in the really technical stuff otherwise i try to keep it pretty simple in a lot of the shorter social media stuff but you know people don't know about it well they're missing out and it makes a lot of sense to have a commercial premises you know if that's your idea to be paying rent to yourself and for your own retirement rather than to somebody else and especially with some of the interest rates that are out there with some of these non-bank lenders all, you know, I ask for is with accountants and financial advisors, if they are in a scenario, bounce it off me and hey, maybe there's a different way of doing it where, um, you know, there can be a bit more arbitrage and, and save a bit of money. So, you know, if I if I can cut through to, you know, get that message across so people get on the blower and say, hey, Kieran, I've got this situation, uh, what do you think? Uh, well, then, you know, it's all been worth it, a lot of this social media posting. Yeah,
0: no, social media is obviously something that's uh, taken over uh our sort of world and uh yeah it's um been huge and obviously uh uh, keeping up to date keeping on top of that certainly you know the more engagement you have uh with your clients and customers that may engage in those sort of uh media you know forms of media in order to to get what they want um i
1: think um tim too i think you know even just looking you know we're friends on facebook and i see you on linkedin Mm. and you know instead of you just being a bank counter now you know accountants are humans, lawyers are humans, you know, we've all got a life exactly, got something exactly. that we're behind there, you know, you're right into your music and going out and you know, <laughs> yes, it's, yes. An with a personality. Yeah. You know, we, they, we, it can be more to us just than being a number cruncher or just to be a, a super geek. And I think some of that putting yourself out there on social media, if someone thinks you're an absolute dick, well, you probably didn't want to deal with them anyway, you know, but they've got to know you a bit on social media already. True, and, um, very true. So the people who find you through that, I think well,
0: you're already going to jail with them. Yeah, very, very true, mate. Yeah, um, the other thing that uh, you've got a bit of a—I'm not going to sort of dwell on technical stuff too much, but um, obviously uh, another thing that I've seen uh, that you're very passionate about is estate planning. Uh, and obviously, I've seen some—I think you even did some books up that were quite, quite uh, uh, really good, easy to read type books uh, for estate planning, which I found uh, um, useful, but uh, but also enjoyable, but and also, you know. Done in such a
1: way that you know it's engaging to to mum and dad. Yeah, and uh, you know that's another one of my missions, I guess. Tim is uh, a lot of people, especially people who have got more complicated circumstances, put it off. You know they strive for this perfection; that they want to come to their lawyer and go, oh, I've got all the answers. Yeah. Can you please do up a will like this? And you know, guess what? One, they hardly ever get there, and two that, you know, they don't do this all day, every day. Uh, You know, they don't see clients in this estate planning space all the time, so they don't have all those answers and, uh, you know, might not even know what some of those issues are. So I guess for any kind of estate planning, the most important thing is to just get started. And, you know, if we can get something in place that's better than what you've currently got, which for a lot of people is nothing, then, you know, it's infinitely better than what you currently got. And we can keep tweaking that over time. You know, you might change some of those appointments, you might tweak a few things as your kids grow up and that type of thing. But, you know, I was just hassling a client of ours who's worth multi, multi, multi millions. Um, and I was just having a look at our uh, system, you know, it goes on the, the phone to give him his hassle up. And we had a file opened in 2003, a file in 2006, a file in 2000, uh set eight, a file in 2015, a file in 2019, and he hasn't signed his will for either of these. He just keeps on getting us to update it. And I think, you know, that's (laughs) a danger that a lot of people kind of face is, uh, you know, they kind of get scared about it. And, uh, you know, that job, I guess we we kind of failed at that, but I'm I'm hassling him pretty hard and I've built in a bit more of a system to to hassle people. And it's things like, I guess, you know, often people going on a, a trip overseas really... Uh, motivates them to to start that estate planning process, and COVID nineteen has been a huge motivator yeah, too. Right? too yeah. We've all had time to reflect and realise that we are mortal, and you know we shouldn't be just burying these issues and leaving you know a real uh, problem for all of our loved ones behind. It's pretty selfish, really. Mm,
0: no, definitely. Not. Just wanted to touch on that because I know that's an area you're passionate about. I've been passionate about estate planning myself, and you know your books have certainly. A very good reference and also you know very good service that you provide in that area as well and we did uh, as I, um
1: said, i did a few humorous animations too i got some cameos and yes. offers from different different people uh acting so uh you know try to
0: try to keep it reasonably light for everyone too Yeah, that's, that's yeah so i guess um we've talked a bit about a few technical things but um you mentioned that you've traveled around the world a little bit Whereabouts have you been yes yeah,
1: so, i uh and the first trip was, you know, the usual kind of Europe and the States and that kind of thing. And then I took a few months off while I was still at uni and I uh, went right through Argentina and Brazil and, you know, beach top popped in, in Brazil. And, uh, you know, that was quite uh, life forming. Uh, and since then, yeah, kind of gone skiing a few times and, um, you know, back to Europe with my, you know, now current wife and Japan a few times. Uh, uh, some of the Asian countries uh, would love to do more traveling, probably. Uh, you know, my eldest is about four. is almost four years old, and as far as that international travel goes, we've really eased up on it since having kids. So you know, yeah, got to, I guess at some point get some discipline back in, and, and you know, do some more overseas travelling. But the kids don't care. They're as happy going to the local creek or going to uh, you know the Gold Coast as they are going you know the other side of the world. You know, especially when they're you know this age before they're at school.
0: So have you been to uh, New Zealand before, or Tassie?
1: Yeah, I've been to New Zealand and Tassie a bit. Had a honeymoon on Tassie because uh, my wife, uh, after I'd been going out with her for, eight, for 10 years, I proposed to her in a, a ryokan in Japan in the Izzy Peninsula um, just before then, you know, at about nine years of going out. And we set the venue for the wedding and the reception and everything, even paid for the uh, upgrade of the health insurance to cover pregnancy. And unfortunately, got the timing wrong, and Erin was five months pregnant at our wedding. And so that's why we went to Tasmania, a fairly safe place for our honeymoon. And, uh, you know, just the great food and, you know, uh, just so beautiful. And, um, you know, for example, New Zealand, not just the skiing, but what I like about New Zealand and Tasmania is you go for a drive, and the whole drive's exciting, you know, curvy roads and it's just beautiful scenery (laughs) everywhere. everywhere, you got to be a bit more dedicated in Australian outback. Sometimes you can drive for six hours and it's the same straight road. <laughs> not that there's not anything wrong with the outback. It's it's beautiful in its own way. For that, that vastness, but uh, I really enjoy you know New Zealand and Tasmania for uh, uh, just the, the, the scenery. And and my the, wife yeah. and her family are from uh, Scotland originally, and Scotland. You know, going up in the, in the Highlands of Scotland and uh, through all the locks and you know up
0: the Isle of Skye. It's it's pretty special you've been just you've been to Scotland then before yeah, a
1: couple of
0: times, yeah yeah, yeah. What do you think of that place? yeah,
1: it's lovely, like i said it's um it's just beautiful sometimes you know some of those accents are a bit hard to hear. I think when I yeah. first had a family function at Aaron's, there was <laughs> one guy sitting next to me. I didn't understand a word he was saying, you know um I think I had wee gram a few times, but uh, then I realized that even Aaron's family couldn't understand him in sometimes uh. Yeah, but um, absolutely beautiful. And one thing I love about travelling too is, I don't know about you, but when you're out travelling and let's say you get on a tram or a train or whatever it is, you just feel alive. And, you know, people just going about the day-to-day business, going to work and peak hour, um, kind of seem almost like automaton. But, uh, you know, travelling, you just get that real energy and and realise just how beautiful the world is and, you know, uh, how alive you kind of feel. So it's, it's something that I think, we've We've you know got to make sure we keep doing, and it sounds like you make sure you have a plan at the start of the year of um you know organizing a few trips and making sure you get that that downtime
0: yeah definitely yeah, I'm looking as I said uh yeah looking forward to more downtime time at some stage, but yeah I like I mean like Tasmania and New Zealand just the fresh air is just is something that stands out for me, and just the um just that yeah just it's something you get there that sort of you know just makes you feel nice and you know um yeah so Are you guys skiing at all i have been snowboarding before um in the last couple of years but um you two out of the last three times um i uh, had knee issues so just sort of not doing it but um i've had two the last three years i've had two different surgeries with my knees so um one more recently uh, just before, just as covid was starting uh, but that seems to be close to getting pretty close to fully recovered um i'm walking obviously um i'm not going to run and <laughs> there's no point yeah that just that causes the issue a lot if you do too much running my sort of frame but um yeah walking is good um yeah what about what other sort of uh, recreation activities do you get up to uh if you've got any spare time and uh, um what, what you yeah, know what, what do you enjoy Doing.
1: So many years ago, I used to you know be right into the triathlons and be up all hours of the morning. This is pre-kids really. and um, you know doing all the triathlons and you know trying to be that weekend warrior. And uh, then I had a bit of a scare at uh, a Malala bar. I had some heat stroke and you know couldn't remember how I got to the finish line or the medical tent. And just slowed it down a bit. Then just doing some smaller ones. And nowadays, instead of running, you know, right, doing any of that stuff to compete. Uh, I just like you know going for some runs and occasionally going to a fun run and that kind of thing. Um, but it's more just to keep myself in some kind of shape rather than, you know, that competitive kind of edge. Uh, I guess my focus has pivoted a bit more towards the kids. And, you know, what I do, I'm a bit more of a homebody now, I guess, but I love, you know, lunching and, and wining and dining, but also I love the, the cooking side of things. So, you know, the barbecuing and... Uh, uh, into a site at the moment, amazing ribs. And so it's all that Texan barbecue and you know how to mm. smoke things properly and you know your reverse seas and you know all, all the, the the science of that. And uh, you know some, doing some sauces and you know right at the moment I'm, uh, yep. you know on, on this day at home, I'm uh, slow cooking some uh, lamb, a, a lamb kind of stew to make up some nice lamb and rosemary for my pies now that it's a bit colder. but. Um, you know, so uh, yeah, I guess I've become a little bit more homely in the last couple of years in that regard. Yeah,
0: did you ever get into golf? Do you, do you play any golf still or?
1: No, so uh, I've never uh, really figured out how to play golf, Tim, so I'm always uh, politely dodging the uh, Charity Golf Day invitations. I think I've dodged a couple of yours in the past too, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> because because... Um, uh, I'm not just bad. I'm I'm pretty woeful. My hand-eye coordination's never been been real good, so it's not something that I um I think will particularly impress my, my clients or my colleagues. I'm putting them through that. Yeah, but enough. you play pretty regularly,
0: don't you? You've, uh, you've oh, I'm not regular, not regular enough though. But maybe probably a couple of months. But uh, yeah, I'd certainly love to play a bit more. Um,
1: Again, it's a great great experience just to you know get away and um, get out in the, the great outdoors, isn't it? Yeah
0: yeah what about uh extreme sports and anything like that do you ever get involved in things like bungee jumping jumping out of planes or or anything like that oh yeah i've done it all and um yeah okay
1: yeah it's it's not something that i I do every (laughs) weekend but the time i went skydiving so oh you've been skydiving wow they're lining us all up with a bit skydiving and bungee jumping yeah i always say yes to those kind of things i find um when i'm getting older i'm getting dizzier and vertigo being on the kid's swing now, so I don't know if I'll be as good as uh, the skydiving and all of that stuff anymore. But waiting for the skydiving, there was this guy, um, you know, they're lining up and, you know, what's the name of my guy? My guy's our name is Stumpy. They go, why is he called Stumpy? And they go, What do you think? And fair enough, he comes out and he's got a wooden stump for one leg. And I go, oh, I had to lose that. <laughs> he said, how do you think? You know, skydiving accident. And so, you know, I've bloody got this, you know, when they go in tandem with you and I've got this stump going into my, my, my bum and the back of me and, um, you know, got to land on my bum because he's only got one leg. Um, so, yeah, it was a, a, a funny experience the first time skydiving. Yeah. Yeah. Um...
0: I I had something oh, yeah. Just on that, yeah, what, you're talking about vertigo, um, I remember one, one thing you probably don't want to do if, you, if you're sort of getting a bit dizzy in your older age is jet boating. If you, have you ever been jet boating before?
1: I've done, uh, I think I've done, you know, how they do those ones in New Zealand I and mean, in the yes, Glassy yeah. Falls, I think I've done it in there yep. too. Um, and, you know, loved all the Dream World rides and stuff, but I haven't been to, you know, the um, Dream World rides for a good 10 years. So uh, yeah. um, uh, things might have changed for me if I'm, I'm struggling on the kids' swings now. Yeah,
0: jet but, um, boating. I mean, what they what they sort of did when I went on this in the last couple of years, you, you go, I like going fast and going forward and all that sort of stuff. but then all of a sudden they stop and then they do a fucking spin and just give you a fucking... It makes you dizzy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Know, yeah, yeah mind's that over there, but your body's... So, yeah, it sort of, you know, deters me wanting to do that again because you just, you know, they do go about, on it, on they'd probably do it about eight or maybe a dozen times on the on the whole thing. You go, oh, okay, do a 360. You know, it's just yeah, it sort of easy. Sort of, uh...
1: And anything else for you? You um, race bikes or do anything crazy? No, uh, I
0: don't really. I just, as I said, I probably just play a little bit of golf, a bit of walking uh, at the moment. I used to play squash, I haven't done that for uh, three years because of the knees, but um basketball when i was young um still follow basketball still follow the nba i mean watching afl obviously um uh, and a few sports like that so um yeah so that that's a bit about uh about what that what i get up to is what i've been up to i guess but um just going back to a few other bits and pieces uh who do you i mean obviously um you know, Mr. Grant, who, who you work with, uh, Stephen Grant, is it? Mr. Yeah. yeah, Steve Grant, um, he's obviously been a big influence, he's been a fairly big influence on your career, uh, obviously been working with him for so long. Uh, has there been anybody else that's had a huge influence on in your career?
1: Yeah, definitely, Steve, Um, you know, well, he trained me to be a lawyer and we're quite different personalities, you know, he's quite larger than life, Captain Caveman's his nickname. And um, Steve was actually my father, first article clerk at Cleary Hall and I was Steve's first article clerk and yep. so you know kind of done that that whole whole circle yep. and and uh, you know now I think we've both had you know lots of crony solicitors and article clerks uh, and you know, there's a lot of people I kind of take inspiration from, I guess. And, you know, even just my dad um, would ring him up for some things, not for the technical legal advice, but more like, oh, I mean, it's kind of a stressful situation. How do I deal with that? And, you know, getting more of that, um, the softer skill advice, I think, sometimes it uh, uh, goes a lot further than necessarily, you know, your answers to some technical questions. Yeah,
0: so where, where do you sort of, do you sort of... Uh think about the future as far as law, what's, what's it going to look like in the future, what's going to be the future of MRFA law. Um, what, tell us about what you see in the future, if, if you can sort of share anything there.
1: Yeah, so Tim, um, that's one of the, the video series we've been doing since a couple of years now, I think 2018. And the- yeah, see, cool I have seen
0: about. some of that, that, those series, yeah. I've had a, have, a, have a look at some of those that you've done
1: called a journey 2020 which was yep. um, looking at okay well as a, a law lawyer and a law firm uh, you know what are we doing to kind of modernize and and, mm-hmm. and, and and move with the times and you know what I was really seeing is for all of our businesses Tim you know if we are just about the technical sides or just about a product we're going to get beaten on price. parts yeah uh, technology is about being able to deliver you know the best service that we can to our clients but we can't forget us in that process, you know, and our clients, I want to be able to bounce ideas off us and, you know, using technology to really leverage that relationship. I uh, get to know our clients better, deliver services in different ways. And I was recently asked the question, well, what are you going to do now? You know, "What why journey 2020? And it seemed quite a fortuitous kind of call, you know, it didn't just sound good, but with the whole COVID-19, everyone's had to adopt quite quickly to technology and to using Zoom meetings and, and uh, you know, doing things online and, Including some of the lawyers at Murththa Law who are a bit reluctant to it, to you know adopt change their ways you know everyone's been forced to and so we've been dealing with eighty four year olds uh, doing their wills on zoom we've been yeah. uh, you know people have been doing their online questionnaires uh, uh, you know people have been finding us out, out about us on you know through social media et etc and it's not just that too um, you know making sure trying to deliver some of our legal services so incorporating videos into our legal letters you know and into our emails and uh you know some people react a lot better to that and you know there's a lot of information that uh gets imparted when when they meet with us and if they can have some of that stored and you know some of those questions that they've commonly got on videos and you know doing those that kind of thing up for clients i think that can go a long way so my idea of the future is i think there's going to be bigger tech, so you know, a lot of those systems and procedures and all of that are going to be, there's going to be less and less providers because you know, there's winners in the, in the game of software and you know, just with your e-combatting and that kind of stuff, you can only have one or two you know, really proper players. But you know, for all of us, we're still uh, on the Colfax, face delivering those services and calming you know, our clients and their fears and bringing our experience to the table and that kind of thing. And I think that's what's valued and, you know, that's what we can continue to leverage uh, moving forward. And, you know, uh, because anyone can kind of access the Tax Act or the the legal rules, so to speak, it's, you know, putting our spin on it all and, and our experience and, you know, being that trusted advisor, um, that's not going anywhere. Uh, mm-hmm. But if we don't keep up with all these changes and these technologies, you know, clients will go to the people who do because, you know, mm-hmm. that, that's, that's how people want services to be delivered, you know, that... They don't want to be stuck in last century. And, um, you know, if, if we don't step up, will they find someone who can?
0: That's well answered. Um, we've, I guess, is there any particular TV shows that you get into or, or any sort of books that you've been reading that uh, have been of noted in recent times?
1: Yes, yeah, so I, you know, I'm just um, enthralled with this, you know, technology kind of changing everything and kind of eating the world. And uh, Black Mirror has just fascinated me, that series. Have you watched any of that?
0: No, I haven't really heard too
1: much. Do you say Black Mirror? Black like Mirror. And so okay. that's a series where uh, it's kind of based, I don't know, in the not-too-distant future, like five years from where we are, where it might take one thing, you know, our you know, use of phones, and then just extrapolate that a bit further to a slightly dystopian kind of future. And then each episode's got different actors, and you know, it only goes for, I can't remember, half an hour or an hour, and, uh, you know, with this kind of scenario. And they're just fascinating. but. The guy who is the director, is the creator of it. He has actually said he's not doing any this year because the world's, you know, that kind of crazy as it is. People don't need, you know, more um, confronting, dystopian kind of plots. You know, he's going to focus on some comedy for this year.
0: Okay. Is that on Netflix or what's, where is that on? What? Yeah, that's on
1: Netflix. Um, I think there's five seasons of it, you know, not that they go particularly long, but um, mm. yeah, I've really loved that one in the last few years. Mm. Um, and then my wife hates me for watching this one, but recently I've been watching this weird, weird um, animation called The Midnight Gospels, which is fairly new. And Midnight Gospels? Yeah, it's all philosophy about religion and, um, and uh, you know, the mind and different things like that. It's a bit weird, but um, yeah, kind of into the, the philosophy of it. I think, um, uh, yeah, the philosophy of, you know, everything you're doing is
0: pretty fascinating. Uh, okay, so that's a bit about some TV series that you've sort of uh, certainly been into. What about, um, do you listen to any sort of uh, podcasts, any, any particular types of podcasts uh, as well? I know a lot of people sort of in this podcast age at the moment, there's some that they listen to. Are you a person that listens to podcasts?
1: I used to listen to a lot more than I do now. I've got the uh, Audible subscription uh, with Amazon, and so I'm listening to a few more books and that kind of thing uh, yep. now. Uh, there was one person, Ality Hacker, I was listening to a fair bit. Um, uh, I'm trying to remember what they are. I need my, my list in front of me. Um,
0: mm.
1: I'm sorry, Tim, of course, uh, oh, your right. podcast. Um, there were some of those bigger ones. Who are they? Your um, Brogan. Yeah. Some of those, I kind of got a bit annoyed with them because... You have them on and you're doing something, you're driving or you're um, in the garden and you can't it, touch yeah. your phone. And there's five minutes of ads and plugs and stuff like that. Yep. So you've know, mm. got a bit sick of those kind of ones. But yep. I quite like those, those podcasts with the genuine stories where they get people mm. on and that are a bit inspirational. Um, what was that? Yeah. Uh, I think
0: I, was I had, I had uh, one of your friends on recently, Steve Everett. I think he was. Did yep. you see that one? Uh, I haven't heard
1: that one. I was listening to the one with your events manager recently, um, but I haven't heard Steve's one yet um I'll, I'll make sure i i do listen to it soon and uh in your podcast are they what do you do there are they on anchor and on all the different channels or uh, no, they're on all
0: the different channels which are mainly um if you look at it's apple Podcasts, spotify um and then just the uh, Gear is that that Gear is the platform that hosts the podcast and it does it for free that's why i use wooshka but Wushka pushes it out to uh spotify and uh apple podcasts and uh you probably could Google it somehow as well. And what are your but, most popular episodes typically, uh, Tim? It, it's, it's quite a surprise. It's, it's um, it re- I think a lot of the time it must come down to how well the, the guest of the day shares the podcast. Yeah. Uh, so if they're out there and if they've got a great network and, and there's a lot of people in that, that network that uh, are interested to, to know what they have to say in a sort of interview type setting, um, then that, that becomes quite popular. Um, certainly, uh, with the podcasts that I've done from the Valley series, there aren't really too many that would sort of hit the 100 listen mark, let's to be honest. They're probably most of them are just over 50 listens or thereabouts for each podcast that we do. Um, we've been do. I've been doing those ones for nearly, coming up to two years in July. So, um, we've done you know, 4,000 listens of, of different podcasts that, that have happened since then. Um But, yeah, going forward, I've sort of had a few other ideas for different series. I've had this one because uh, I came from Tasmania, sort of catching up with school friends. I've done four of those episodes, and they're all on YouTube as well. So, just like a, a Zoom thing here, um, follow up on YouTube. And they've had a the Two of those episodes have had over a hundred hits on YouTube. So, um yeah, I'm, I'm happy with the way it's yeah, um, done
1: the most views on any of social media thing I've ever put out. Yep. It's actually, I've got a personal YouTube channel where I did, you know, an animation. for my kids, Yes. That's about it. And then, but I did a video, a montage of a video. I went fishing with, um, right, a couple of hundred kilometres off the north uh, tip of New Zealand. I uh, did, you know, a, a charter boat, marlin um, fishing. And so I did a, a clip of that and, you know, put together, you know, some highlights of the marlin fishing with, um, you know, Dad and, and, you know, a couple of his friends. And it's got an, um you know a thousand times more than my usual views. It's like got eight thousand views or something. You know, it had
0: a lot more than anything else. Any, any of my legal stuff I've put up there, that's for sure. So, what, what do you think the reason for that is? Any any particular reason why something like that would have, could have been so popular? Is it? Yeah, has it been like hashtagged or what? How do you think? Well, that? Uh, maybe the hashtag, but I guess people like fishing more than they like law, Tim. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I, I guess it's interesting what people look at. I mean, it is interesting. Uh, yeah, what you know, what interests people. I mean, uh, but yeah, if any sort of social activity or social environment um, where there's action happening, whether it's a, it could be a, it could be something that's happened in a in a mixed martial arts event that's spectacular. You might get 20 million hits, um, and then something like you know a kid, you know basically trying to, trying to, um, you know, imitate Gordon Ramsay will get another 20 million hits. So <laughs> you'll get, uh, it, it's just action that sort of dictates sort of thing. And once people start sh- sharing it, it just can go very viral. But um, yeah, that's, that's really good. I mean, fishing is obviously a good uh, pastime and obviously there's enough, enough people around the globe that love fishing anyway. So that makes sense. I mean, uh, whereas, you know, all the, all the usual stuff that we have, if we get more than, uh, you know, 100 or 1,000 hits, we, we we feel lucky, I think.
1: Yeah.
0: That's for sure. Um, so that's podcasting. I guess one of probably the final points to finish up on, um, you've always been, uh, as you said at the start, you've always sort of been uh, tied to Brisbane, really. I haven't really been anywhere else. Uh, what is it about the city that you, you really like? And tell me some of the things that you've seen over the years that have changed, good and bad, in Brisbane, uh, and the things that make you want to stay here. Um, I guess, just reinforcing uh, Brisbane here.
1: So I guess it's one of those things, you know, when you're a 20-year-old, you think Brisbane's, uh, you know, the big country town and you want to get out of there. And then you get out of there and you come back and you can travel around pretty easily. Uh, Like, look at that uh, backdrop that we're talking on Zoom at the moment and you've got Fallon's Brewing Company, you know, the backdrop, having a beer at the River Bar and along there. Mm -hmm. And um, just also, like, it's not just, you know, all the bars and restaurants and being able to get around easily and how beautiful the river is and how green everything is. But it's also the personalities too. So, you know, know, we're just kind of pretty genuine. We like to have a laugh and don't take ourselves too seriously. Uh, You know, you go to some other Australian cities, uh, one in particular, and, you know, I just don't think you've got that same kind of um, just laid back, easygoing kind of nature about it. and, you know, say, if I had a choice to live anywhere in the world, yeah, I, I, Brisbane would be right up there on that list. And I know, you know, I'm kind of tied to Brisbane because that's where my work is and clients are and that kind of thing. But, um, you know, let's say you won the lottery or anything like that, sure, I'd, I'd spend a bit of time going to New Zealand and, you know, travelling a bit, but I, I think I'd still call Brisbane home. Hmm, no, that's, that's... I guess I mean,
0: that... Have seen... even us,
1: as in, uh, you know, for us, I live, what... 10 Minute drive from the city in, in Red Hill, uh, sometimes a bit more in peak hour traffic. Mm. Uh, you know, get there, what even in the worst peak hour traffic, it's half an hour there, 10 minutes back home, mm. um, which you know is pretty good. And you have an equivalent place to mine with the pool and you know, a view and a breeze and all of that, you know, that kind of distance from the city and, in one of your bigger towns. And it's it's out of you know what my earning capacity. Uh, so, I, uh, you know, it, it's it's uh, we're pretty lucky, I think.
0: Yeah, definitely very lucky. Have you seen it sort of change or evolve much though? I mean, I think since I've been here 20 years ago, I think I've seen quite a few changes. And I don't want to sort of waste all, all the, you know spending all the different things that I've seen. What what have you sort of seen that stuck out over the last 10, or 20 years?
1: Yeah, excuse the um the noise brigade in the background. like okay. um, I'm trying to remember back, and they say Expo 88 was the, you know, where Brisbane kind of changed a lot. And I know when I was a kid. You know, there was no such thing as a flat white <laughs> you when know, I was quite young. Uh, you would go, uh, I think one time my dad, when I was, what, six years old or seven years old or eight years old, I was young anyway, he said, look, Kieran, it's your birthday, you can have whatever roast you want. So I said, I'll have roast duck. And so dad had to drive all around town to try to find a bottle of Contra or Grand Marnier. You know, there was only one place that did it. You know, They just had goon was what the um, bottle <laughs> I sold. And uh and you know, getting a cup of coffee, you might get you know a Chinese restaurant on the corner that does a sweet and sour pork, but it was pretty kind of simple what our tastes were. But now we've had you know all oh, different cultures, you know the Vietnamese and um, all different cultures, you know the Greeks all over the years, and you know everything that all of these different cultures have brought, and you know being able to go out for those kind of cheap eats and uh, you know have a, have a drink out and about, I think that's great and you know one thing I hope you know that we continue on the route of is sometimes I get a bit concerned in Australia we're all about all these rules about you know 100 rules of where you can have your drink and you know when you can get served this and that and that um, you know I, I hope that we don't continue going down that and then you know we, we um, are responsible enough that uh, we can you know have a bit of license to enjoy ourselves and not have every single aspect of our lives regulated um, but, you know, so far it's been pretty good, especially, yeah, the outdoor dining and the outdoor drinking, and, um, you know, that kind of kind of thing. It's, um, you know, very great climate and a great culture to, to enjoy all of that.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to, with, with what's happened in more recent times, certainly very difficult to predict um, what the future looks like sometimes when, when we're sort of uh, uh, looking at uh, what, what, you know, what that will but, be. Even
1: with that, Tim, with the COVID, you know, social distancing restrictions, you know, they take some away, but they're giving some too. So, you know, they're like allowing people to do some, um, uh, you know, take home cocktails and uh, uh, you know, take home drinks from bars, and uh, you know, there's mm. some further liberties they're giving us as a bit of a concession of all the things i have taken away. You know, maybe mm. they'll go, oh, "Well, hey, we didn't kill each other." Kill everyone uh, when that happened. Uh, maybe you know we can continue um, giving ourselves a few more liberties as as part yeah. of
0: it. Yeah, definitely. I think I mean some people sort of looked at the last couple of months and say it's good to have. It's some for some people it's been good just to have a little bit of a break as well, just to to sort of be a bit more insular a little bit and just reflect on on a few things rather than sort of being too caught up in sort of everyday life. But you get to a point now, sort of now I guess where you're thinking. Okay, where where are things going to look like in the future? Am I going to be able to do what I like to do? Am I going to be able to 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 go to different parties with 200 people? Am I going to be able to go to those musical festivals? Are they going? To, is there going to be musical festivals in the future? Um, so there's a lot of different questions out there that uh, that hopefully get sort of uh, answered over time and how this you know this sort of disease uh, with the COVID, how that you know where this going to sort of you know, is there going to be other waves coming? Is there going to be something else? It leaves a lot of questions that weren't there. And uh, and it's certainly putting a lot of people (laughs) uneasy, but at the end of the day, we're just going to live every every day as it comes and just predict what we can or live with what we can.
1: Yeah, and you know, whilst overseas travel is going to be off the, um, and festival potentially going to be off the agenda for quite a while, you know like even just walking in the local park with the kids realize how grateful i was what beautiful weather and you know how how beautiful it is and then you know look at that backdrop behind you and look at all the beautiful places that we can go locally and you know hopefully to new zealand and that soon too there's Mm. there's plenty to do and there's plenty you know to be lucky about um uh yeah so um so uh, i guess you know it's not something we we gotta uh, enjoy what's in front of us, Tim, rather than you know worrying about what we can't have and that kind of stuff. And that way, yeah, I think, right so. to I think so. As I
0: said, yeah, take take it as it comes. And you know, if we, if we can't go to an AFL grand final, a hundred thousand people, then that's 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 not the change. You know, so I'll a, tell you what I am looking forward to,
1: and I haven't had for a few months now, is a uh, cold draft beer. Especially, um, I'm, I'm imagining one looking at that river behind. Surprised? So I'm surprised you, so yeah, so that you haven't sort of gone.
0: of gone to the bottle shop and and uh, got uh, got yourself. Well, you you're drinking wine at home, aren't you? Yeah, it's not quite the
1: same getting those mini kegs, etc. I got some some friends who brew their own and that type of thing, but you know there's something special about especially being by the river and having a draft beer. I like draft beer when I go out because I'm um, you know I don't have that at home. So, uh, um, have, yeah, how you, have, gonna
0: uh, you
1: know, when you don't have something for a couple of months, it's going to be a whole lot better when you do, isn't mm. it? Mm. Any
0: particular favorite type of craft beer that you like to drink? Or
1: I've got one in the fridge tonight. Uh, now that it's colder weather, uh, a um, stone and wood that do this um it's this dark porter what's it called they do it a wood fired porter um okay. geez, i've forgotten its name uh and so i might Pretty have sure. one of those after our conversation today <laughs> and uh you know a bit of stonewood cloud catcher i don't mind as a summer kind of ale catcher, and yeah. then then um, I've even been getting into some weird things lately. I was drinking some agave-based um, sour beer <laughs> um, that you know, doesn't really taste like beer at all, but there's a local bottle out near me that's got a few weird kind of concoctions. So it's good, good trying them. But, um, you know, there's, you can only drink a few of some of those, you know, very peculiar beers or even some of those sweet uh, sweeter uh, pale ales. Um, you know, I think after then uh, they get a bit too much.
0: Have you tried that soapbox brand of oh, the one that, yeah, it's quite, yeah, good. quite good. They've got
1: they've got one that t- beer that tastes like a nice bovo. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, so my, one of my best friends, he lives next door to the guy who owns the soapbox, and um, they do kegs. You know, those mini kegs, pretty, uh, pretty well crossed. One thing I've been toying about, um, I haven't done it. I should organise it. Is you know, all of us with young kids. Um, you know, I got the one and a half year old and the uh, almost four year old. Is been toying with the idea of getting one of those mini kegs and, you know, putting it on for and you know, a couple of bottles of wine and, you know, maybe taking turns between, you know, some different families down at the local playground or the local park where uh mm. you know you, you put it, it's your turn to put a keg on on the first Sunday of the month or something. I think um, you know, not a huge keg, but I think that would be a pretty pleasant Sunday afternoon, you know, um uh subject to liquor like licensing laws and all of that, as long as you're not selling it, I think. But um, you know, maybe maybe twenty twenty is a
0: year to stop talking about it and start doing it. Yeah, definitely. No, nice. it's um, anything sort of, I guess, uh, final to add to the the podcast. It's coming up to the the one hour mark, and it's, it's certainly been a great to to catch up, uh, Kieran, uh, over Zoom and uh, on the podcast. So, uh, is there anything else that uh, you wanted any else you want to tell, anything else you want to bring up?
1: No, madam. Um, you know, I didn't really have any. I hadn't done one of these before. Didn't have any expectations beforehand. It's been good, uh, shooting the breeze with you, Tim, and. Uh, you know, lots and lots of challenges and a funny world we live in, and uh you know, that's part of the fun. I kind of feel like um a bit more alive with all these things going on. Um, yeah, interesting times.
0: It is interesting times, I do thank you very much. I do hope you have a, have a couple of uh, beers tonight and uh, maybe some wine over the weekend or something and uh reflect on <laughs> where things are going at the moment, but uh, I'm sure you do that um but yeah keep up the uh keep up the good work in the in the area of self-managed superfund specialization uh being a being a fort leader in this area in brisbane uh you know is um certainly certainly uh it's great you you know i congratulate you on you know having a great career to date uh you know it's certainly you you and uh steve grant obviously work very very well together you've got a great firm I hope you continues to sort of uh, continues to evolve with the times as well, which I'm sure it will. Um, and uh, all the best in the future, mate.
1: Yeah, thanks, thanks, Tim, and, and you know, great job yourself on you know putting yourself out there in, in the world, and uh, you know getting into people's houses and businesses and getting their stories out there, and you know making sure that you're always out and about. You're I'm um, seeing your face all over all over the place. So you know you're an important figure in many people's lives. So thank you.
0: No thanks, Matt. i will get this. Uh, we'll get this uploaded later on tonight, and you better share it. Just share it around to your uh, group and network. It'll be interesting to see how popular the podcast is. As, as I said, as I said before, I've got no idea exactly how many people are going to listen to it or have a look at the podcast. But uh, it's certainly got a lot to do with uh, you know the, the caliber of the person on there and how they share it, and, and sometimes a lot of luck. So, yeah. Oh well, um,
1: it's new to me. I haven't done too many other podcasts. So I think I've only done one other podcast uh, before. So, uh, mm. yeah, send me the
0: link, and we'll see how we go. Yeah, it'll be up. Uh, be on pretty f- Instagram, Facebook, so that'll be up there uh, on all the on the, all the different platforms. Anyway, thank you very much. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Keith. All right, cheers, Tim. pleasure talking to you.